period I do what I want, period Move like a boss, period Oh, I got the sauce, period See, the goals to see money no matter the cost, period I'm kid for rapping these L's in my ops, period Period I need my ends like a period Connecting the dots till I get ahead, period Like my shoe bottoms run like a period Money or die trying to the end, period. Niggas, period. You country people, <laughs> lend us your ears. So this is, this is, welcome this is. to another edition Gosh. of the Black People Check-In, a.k.a. the Nigga People Check-In, a.k.a. the best podcast on Spotify, Google, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. <laughs> That's okay, true. Right now, my name is Mandela, mm-hmm. aka the president, aka the waistline bully, aka not one of the good blacks, Mister, not mm-hmm. one of the good blacks. And I am here with the man, the myth, the legend, Miss mm-hmm. Germian, aka aka Mister Try Jesus. Don't try him because he'll cuss your ass out. A.K.A. your girlfriends. He's just like a brother to me. Wink, wink. Mm-hmm. A.K.A. the Canadian Mr. Barry White. Show, show enough. Show enough. Show enough. So, Wagwan, Jermaine. We have a special guest today, but Wagwan, how are you? Listen, I... <clears throat> oh, Lord. Oh, man. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to say this. You know when you're close to your goal and it seemed like everything the devil tried to throw at you is throwing at you? Did he try and throw somebody's woman at you? No, 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 no. We're not going there. Like, I'm I'm talking about, like, everything from, you know, feeling behind on certain things and then we have to deal with certain people, you know, in in my current house of residence. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's one of those, like, I need to get to the finish line quickly so that, like, I can move on. So, yeah. But other than that, I'm doing fine. I just don't like school. I just, I'm going to just say that right now. I feel you. Yeah. I feel you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, listen, I'm still here. So, you know what? The fact that I'm still alive. We're going to start there. Yeah, because I'm not pressing up my good, good clothes to come to your funeral. Thank you. God forbid, no. But with that being said, Mandela, how are you today? How are you on this whatever we want to call it day? I'm tired. Mm. Fuck. Mm-hmm. I'm great. I'm fantastic. I have um, good issues. I'm tired. I'm getting my pigment back. I no longer feel like a white walker. My complexion is coming back. Um, work is going well. OnlyFans body is still loading. Yeah. And yep. white people haven't bothered me. Wow. Well, at least because I'm, I'm, I'm dealing with some people. Oh, and yep. I'm going to I'm going to a fet and a boat ride this weekend with our co-host who is not here this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, September, we miss you. Yes, we do. Yeah. Um, but we do have someone here. 
Yeah, I'm actually excited about this guest, man, man. I've been watching her stuff, and I'm like, yo, this is going to be fire. Of course you've been watching her. I know you have. Well, you've been too, but you know her. I haven't been watching her. She's out on IG, for goodness sake. I've been paying attention to her content, but I have That's not what been I'm watching saying. her. First of all, first of all, let's not slander again on this podcast. I'm not slandering. Slandering. Making Your man like has a pattern, folks. <laughs> pattern nothing, man. Like, you know, you know how to make it seem like, yo, Jermaine's like stalking a next girl. A next you know team. what? You know what? She's not your type because she's not a man. <laughs> so, yeah, you're right. You're not watching. I get it. I'm done. You cleared up. Okay, folks. Okay. You know what? I'm going to let you introduce her because she's in your field. Actually, you know what? No, no, no you do it. You do it. I just want to be here just to, you know, applaud and just be a fan and something like that. You know what I mean? I Maybe know you. I can get her autograph at some point, you know. All that Shush. Yeah. Anywho, ladies and gentlemen and other people, or just people, wow. Just people. Wow. You forget, you forget, come, you forget today. Don't come at me. People. <laughs> Folks, mm-hmm. citizens of the universe, there we go. <laughs> Today's guest, mm-hmm. a dear friend of mine, a fellow social worker of Jermaine. Mm-hmm. They're in the same field. Right? Yes. Yeah. She is an educator. Mm. She is a social worker. Mm-hmm. She's a bad gal. You know, I have to agree with that still. Her mother is someone I look up to and I'm really trying to get her to adopt me, but I've been working on this for the last five years and she's wagging her finger, no. Um, Denied, but go ahead. She's a social worker. She's a blackity black, 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 black as fuck. Amen and amen. (laughs) She is a... Was it an RSW, a BSW, a MSW? She had all of the WWE, them, except WWE, but whatever. She can't be perfect. Um, Miss Marty Lampkin. Oh, yes, oh. yes. Hello. How the hell are you? What a beautiful introduction. Yeah, he does. Hi. Great. I am honored to be here. And let me just pause. And honor both of you, intelligent Black men who are creating space for our people, for our voices, and just keeping it real. It's not scripted. It's not prescribed. Really talking from heart, soul, truth. And that's what we need. So give yourselves a round of applause for what you're doing and what you're putting out there for people who need to hear our voices and need to find space like this for us. It's not, there's not enough of it. So I commend you three also here, but I do want to take a moment to just love on you both for what you're doing and what you're putting out there. Oh, thanks, Marty. We, we appreciate you. So for the listeners, I like her bad. I even like you more. Shoot, man. Of course you do. Marty, who are you? What do you do? Expound on my introduction, please. Introduce expound, yourself. Expound, expound. We're using fancy word and ting. Mm. So, as we said, I'm Marty. Marty is who she is. Keep it real. 
I am a self-identified Black Canadian with Caribbean roots, Mm. Um, but I've been raised in such a big community of so many people Mm. that really have shaped who I am, and I'm grateful for that. Um, But yeah, I am a a registered clinical social worker. My field and my niche and my passion is disability work. I... Bob. Down syndrome, William syndrome, fragile X, the list goes on. I could list so many of them. Mm. And so that's really where my passion lies. And most of my clinical practice is working with people who have intellectual disabilities, development disabilities, and then also supporting the families. Mm-hmm. Isolated, who don't have access to resources or services, who are stigmatized. And then when it comes to our Black families, there's work to be done. There's work to be done because we have the stigma. We have the shame. We also have pieces of religion and faith that sometimes seep in there around, you know, you must be cursed or demon this or duppy this or whatever has happened, why your son or daughter or child has, you know, an intellectual disability. So th- there's that piece too, right? And then of course, there's just basically the, what I call justified distrust in the system. So we, we ain't trying to get services or get help from people who are gonna re-stigmatize us, but it puts us at a disadvantage from accessing the resources that sometimes we need. So a lot of my work is, is around um, some of that stuff. So, you know, just doing a little, walk down memory lane. My first kind of role when I was really young was working with children with special needs. And then I branched into working with adults Mm -hmm. who basically were living in the city. Most of them were institutionalized. And then the government kind of woke up and actually said, not actually good that we trap these people in like a prison and Mm -hmm. isolate them from the society. So they closed all these institutions down, left folks to just be in the community. And so I was a primary worker for um, adults who basically had no family support, had been disconnected from their families, they were on their own. So, you know, some days I'm in people's homes, mm-hmm. trying to prevent them from being evicted because they can't understand money, they can't understand rent, they can't understand these types of things, yep. to helping people with all these medical appointments and, you know, to having mothers with disabilities, having their children taken away and child welfare. So lots of work with lawyers, lots of work, advocacy with child welfare. And then I moved out of that after a couple of years and I started working with families. So people who, so adult parents who still had their adult children in their home. Yep. And that was a whole nother, you know, 60 year old mom fell falls down the stairs her adult child is 30 nonverbal can't speak who's going to take care of the child while mom's in hospital with a broken ankle right so navigating situations like that down to you know um newcomers who are just settling in they don't understand the system and then I branched out of that role to become a complex support coordinator there was three of us in the city of Toronto so we received the cases when nobody else knew what to do. Jesus. They came to us. So I'm talking adults with intellectual disability. And just to break this down for people who aren't familiar, if, if I say somebody has a mild intellectual disability, that means that even though they're 30, 40, 50, their 
intelligence age equivalent is at a nine to 12 year old. Yep. Facts. Right? Facts. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. Because they have an intellectual, right? So you're looking at a 30 year old individual, but re realistically, their ability to comprehend and read and understand what you're saying is that the equivalent of a nine to 12 year old. Mm -hmm. But how does our society see them as adults? And especially when it comes to Black folks, which is my next passion, is that intersection of disability and Blackness. Because I've been there with the police. I've had to advocate with police because they see the clients I work with as a Black male and being resistant. But that client actually has autism and cannot stand still and cannot answer the questions you're asking them back to back to back to back because they need to process yep. what you're even asking them. And a lot of the times, not to interrupt, but like they have, they also have anxiety levels when they're having oh, to deal with a whole bunch of stuff. Oh, this is the, this podcast not long enough to have this discussion. <laughs> I'm going to tell you right now, this is not, this podcast will not be long enough to have this discussion. Jermaine, I have a question. What? Can we keep her? No, 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 no. Why are you asking that question? No, that's, we're not even asking that question. She's I'm here. I'm just a guest. No, 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 no. I don't care about guests. You're, you're here. You're here now. Medea. Okay. Medea. Okay. It's too late now. Dude, it's all just, right. All right. It's all. Oh, sorry. Continue on. Sorry. I, I, yeah, I won't ramble because this is not about me, but, um, you know, so I did that complex work. The complex role was people who had intellectual disabilities and dual diagnosis, which means they also had a mental health Mm -hmm. need and then they also had complex behaviors punching spitting mm -hmm. uh, running out the house you know one client who loves trucks and anytime a truck would come boom out the door running into the middle of traffic doesn't matter um with an elderly parent who's taking care of them so it's it's just it's a lot it was a lot of really beautiful opportunities to advocate in mental health justice um housing you know and the and the DS, which is the developmental service sector. So I did that for quite a bit. And then I moved into a, just a role as being social worker, primarily doing counseling. Mm -hmm. So I was counseling adults with intellectual disabilities, which is super challenging and super beautiful and super unique at the same time. Um, so again, you know, a lot of visuals, a lot of adapting down counseling modalities to meet their needs. And um, I recall having a, a moment with a client and this is when George Floyd was murdered. Mm. And instead of me coming to the session to support, you know, homeboy with what homeboy needs support on, this is a topic of discussion. Mm. And that individual with a mild intellectual disability asking me, could that be him? Seeing mm. himself in that situation, right? Uh, mm -hmm. And so that really sparked um, my idea to develop a program, which I launched last year, um, and that will be in its second iteration this year, which was called Racism Affects Me Too. And that was a program to teach people with autism spectrum disorder or development disabilities about anti-Black racism because it affects them too. Yeah. I, man, 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 <laughs> you, you know what? I'm the second uh, person that's made Jermaine stutter and speechless. <laughs> but like a lot of it, like a lot of what she's saying, I identify. And this is actually a topic. It's interestingly enough, this is a topic that hardly gets 
mentioned, like not only just amongst the black community, but just in, in, in terms of just like society in general when it comes to developmental disabilities. Now, most people who know me, I work with students mm -hmm. uh, primarily with like um, special needs, disabilities and all that type of stuff. So I understand and I see a lot of the cultural intersectionalities. Mm -hmm. um, a, oh, man, like one of the things that I, I always tell people that, you know, sometimes when it comes to uh, a child who has been diagnosed with special needs or whatever you want to call it, whether it be autism, Down syndrome, uh, wounds or whatever, depending on the culture, it's usually the woman that gets the blame a lot of the times. Right. Well, like blame for what? Well, this is I've seen this many times where, and I remember this. There's this one one particular child, you know, he has autism and all that type of stuff, yeah. and it, it's funny. Like parents, you know, God bless them, but they will try to somehow deny that like this child has a particular condition. You know what I mean? And so they kind of do everything to somewhat like curb or deny services thinking that like it's a phase and one of the things that I do see a lot is that the responsibility plus the blame falls on the woman yes I get it you know what like she tends to women a lot of mothers tend to be sort of like the primary contact if you will mm -hmm, yeah. mm -hmm. you know for like if if a child needs something or if something happens to a child it's usually the mother that's the first but what also doesn't get talked about is that a lot of the times the father's not even there mm -hmm. or doesn't really want to get involved mm -hmm. you know what i mean not because of he doesn't know or whatever it's just more the shame aspect yeah. right and so like that's like another intersectionality that doesn't always get talked about but when we talk about like kids with disabilities there's a whole complexity there's a whole gamut of things and i'm glad that you actually touched on the mental health stuff because i tend to find that when it comes to disabilities they never really approach the mental health side of things. They're yeah. always looking at the actual diagnosis, but then they forget that even a person with autism or with some sort of Down syndrome or something like that, they may also um, have like uh, mental health issues coming along depending on uh, what has happened to them over the course of their life. 100%, 100%. Right? And, that's, and that's the part where even for, you know, for us as black folk, especially with, with, um, because I, I know, um, quite a number of people, my, my, uh, my God brother, God rest his soul. He had down syndrome. Right. Okay. So, um, you know, it, it takes a lot, um, when you have to care for somebody that has a particular diagnosis. Now my, my God brother was like, like the highlight, like he was a smooth guy. Like he was smooth. Like everybody loved him. Mm -hmm. Um, but again, you know, I think sometimes what I see is that there at times is the look or the wow or the kind of like the odd or peculiar. You have a child that looks and acts like suck mm -hmm. when really it should be something where it's like, don't watch that. Like a child's going to be different, like uh, especially um, a child with a sort of um intellectual disability is going to be different. They see the world and experience the world differently. Um, but at the end of the day, um, it, it's not for us to be like gawking at the situation. 
for anything, there has to be more empathy and support, especially since like treatment is so expensive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's and trust me, that affects black people enough. Oh, one thousand percent, right? And you know, not only is it expensive, it's it's very white and Eurocentric. Like yep. I don't see my people represented. Yep. In a lot of the agencies I've worked in where oh. they are the primary clinicians, where they are providing that service, right? So, and you know, for Black folk, it's so important for us to feel included and feel that we can show up in the fullness of ourselves mm-hmm. and not be scrutinized and not be judged and not be, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And a part of Blackness is that we can't freely always do that. Mm-hmm. rarely can we ever do that black men are constantly under surveillance and scrutinized even if they just want to go for a little walk down the street let some person perceive that you look like a threat in their neighborhood that's your life yep. that's simple as that my cops right down the street from my house yep me what am i doing in this neighborhood yep on yep. my street like i could see my house from where i was walking mm-hmm. right because right. i fit the description of somebody of yeah. something apparently. of something right yeah. and that something is always going to be attached to blackness and attached to criminality it, yeah. like that's what the something is it's not that you actually match a person or you have similar features and you look no that that's what they're talking about when they say you match in something mm-hmm. and then when we think about the history of social work that was pure advancement of colonialism yeah. to the idea of helping right yep yep idea of saving these savages First, we're talking about our indigenous brothers and sisters and other folks, right? And then extending that to us as well and other racialized groups. So it's it's the it's the stigma piece that you're talking about, Tremaine. It's it's also the anti-blackness piece, right? It's it's the cultural pieces too. And when you think about the islands, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we don't talk we don't talk about disability at all. Not because because again we don't want to talk about disability and i've always said this one of the things when i grew up and i'm going to use mental like the whole mental health as an example one when i grew up the last thing that one of the things that was kind of like sort of taught quote unquote to me was that whatever you do don't show you're cracking you know what i mean yeah like we don't want to we see we see white people go crazy right but the last thing we want is for black people to come across as crazy as the white folks right and because we're already dealing with a whole bunch of oppressions and all that type of stuff we don't want this to be another layer so it's easy for us to you know look at a person that is acting different and socially isolate them and pretty much like shun them to the side and that's the same thing when when it comes to children that have been born with a diagnosis, right? You know, we, we're quick to be like, like kind of like, and I feel bad even for, for parents. I'm not saying it's it, like, it's as an ex- excuse, but sometimes the stigma forces parents, especially a lot of the times to be like, well, I'm not gonna carry my son or my daughter to this event because chances are I'm gonna hear all the whispers I'm gonna get the criticism. No people are gonna talk my right. People are gonna talk my name. You know why can't you control your child? That type of thing. You know what I mean? 
and that's and that's the things that we unfortunately do not only from a mental health perspective but again if you have a child that is diagnosed with some sort of disorder if you want to call it uh, that's the same thing that we do to them yeah yeah it's 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 as simple as the look right yeah the look the glare and what does that communicate to us i mean we we get that look from other people and we know what that what that's saying right like yeah. it's it's hard and a lot of the spaces are not right when you think about disability it's the way the society is structured is why people can't thrive <laughs> it has nothing to do with the individual mm-hmm. like it has nothing to do with the individual it's the way things are set up in a certain fashion and form and we all have to assimilate and prescribe to that right, right. so uh, it's it's quite pervasive the amount of mental health concerns and especially during the pandemic if i tell you how much priority referrals kept coming in on a regular basis mm-hmm. not for me to counsel the individuals to counsel the parents the mothers the fathers the caregivers who were literally talking about ending their life they could not manage because they're child or son or whatever is home 24 mm-hmm. seven not even one little tim hortons to go and get a little piece of donut and think come home you could even get outside to go and do like these basic things you know like if if a parent wants to go to a yoga zumba class you need to make sure you have a staff staff in the home you need to like all these things that i know for myself uh because i don't identify as living with disability i can easily i take for granted right i can easily pick up and go okay, there's this happening downtown. Oh, off I go. Mm-hmm. I don't have to consider all those things. And so mm-hmm. that, that's a big thing that when we think about mental health and the small things and big things that pour into us. And as I tell my students, do something to love on yourself. The things that we do to love on ourselves, mm-hmm. it's much more difficult to access. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Actually, it's... No, go ahead. Actually, finish. No, no, go ahead. Add, add, add your point. Well, actually, okay. Because I think it, it's probably important for, for, for people who, whether, whether you're a parent or not a parent or want to become a parent, right? There is going to be a possibility, um, especially nowadays, that your child may have some sort of condition. You know, obviously, most, peop- most people would want a, like a very functioning, healthy child. But is it possible that, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. Um, I know that a few years ago, there's been a, there was a big issue where our Ontario government decided to kind of cut funding um, or cut access, so to speak, to, to services that help kids who have been diagnosed early mm-hmm. with things like autism and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, what has your... What number one? What's your thought process? What has your experience been like? Kind of seeing that side of the things. How's that? How has it had an effect? Um, effect on parents and on kids. It's a big question because, uh, yeah, there was a couple years back where they decided to really pull back a lot, and that's where the advocacy. You know, like people are so resilient mm-hmm. and powerful this is the thing if we could only understand that when we come together nothing stops us right Um, but we we just Uh. we can't get that together sometimes and and that's that's where the white man keeps winning Mm -hmm. um but at that time 
Word. you know, parents, caregivers, support workers, like a lot of people came out and rallied against that and they had to repeal that. And actually the person who was sitting as on that ministry actually moved. She moved to a completely different ministry. She didn't but, do that well either, but anyways, that's a different kind of topic. That, that's a different, we'll, we'll table that for next time. But, you know, I, I, it's a tricky one because in, in some respect there are services, but when you look at the timelines, the waiting list yep. um, to access these resources, and I do wow. believe that the children and youth sector is funded and more integrated for services because remember, you got that school as yeah. that hub, right? right? Kind of where that child is being seen and there's, access to stuff. I support people who are 18 and over. So once they're out of school, either at 18 or 21, mm -hmm. what's there for them? Right. If they can't get a job and can't work, if they can't, if they can't assimilate into this white colonial mentality of education, which is cram everything down your throat, regurgitate it past your course mm -hmm. and pay tons of money for no reason. If they cannot go to school in that type of system, what's out there for them right and no one really wants to really talk about it i mean the parents are having to think about that i mm -hmm. know that that's been the thought process but you know what pathways are there for for a lot of a lot of people who have this condition to basically just live at least decently at the very least right and it's hard like you what you said is 100 true it is very very hard um, not only for the person that is living with the condition, but on top of it, it's the parents who are the primary caregivers, right? And 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 it is it is tough because again, you know, as as they get older, mm -hmm. get older, it is a lot more difficult to manage both the 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 needs that they have, yes. right? They have to worry about their own selves. Mm -hmm. It's physically taxing. Mm -hmm. right and then this is on top of the whole like you know mentally draining aspect of it i mean covid really did a number yeah. right yeah. and it's it's hard for now it's not to say there isn't support groups there are some a number of support groups that i've seen that start to pop up but i don't know if there's enough and i'm going to say this from a black community perspective i think there needs to be more for specifically black people mm -hmm. because we also deal with it i think sometimes we're kind of like a little bit well we're pretty much at the bottom if not near the bottom you know when it comes to what type of supports can parents receive in order to help their own kids yeah yeah definitely and there there are small things here and there but it's not like you know if you don't know you wouldn't know right right you don't have that friend to tell you, you don't have that connect or you don't have that one social worker that you really trusted or that one support worker or teacher, you wouldn't really know. Mm -hmm. So our families are often kind of just trying to navigate and figure out things on their own. And that in itself is a second job. It, it, it is a second, it's a second job, right? It is 100%. Sometimes in these cases, especially with these high prices, a third job, but that's a different conversation. <laughs> oh man well okay i know you kind of mentioned this especially the religious piece of it right mm. now i mean most people know i'm also part of a religious institution so i've seen both sides of it so to speak the good and the bad but what have you found uh in your experience where it's like there needs to be some improvements 
where that's concerned? I think it's around um, building up capacity for that. Again, when you think about who, if you're speaking about certain religious institutions, do you see often people with bringing their children with disabilities or special needs into those spaces, mm -hmm. right? Why or why not? Um, and I was recently, uh, well, not recently, but I was in the States and actually they were developed, they were asking for volunteers for a program to actually have people sit with children with special needs so that parents could still attend services and still participate in things like that. So, you know, just need to think a little bit more broadly about how we can be inclusive, like it's all around kind of inclusive what's a barrier and how do we address that and get rid of that, you know? Yeah, I think sometimes what I tend to find, especially in those things, in those examples, is that, and it comes back to understanding, get, getting the information and on top of it, just learning to embrace and expose yourself to, to, mm. to, to people with uh, some sort of diagnosis and stuff. So for example, and, and this is just my opinion. I know we in the Black community can be, for lack of a better term, somewhat notorious, uh, not notorious, but the lack of information is not always accessible. So what happens is, is that, you know, okay, well, I have a child with autism, right? And they don't understand that, like, yes, I have a child with autism, but there's a huge spectrum. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? So you know, it may be a situation where I have a child that has autism, but can't speak or the opposite where like they speak enough. I deal with a child actually currently that you wouldn't tell if he's autistic. Like he's honestly, he sounds like just a normal kid. Like he's, you wouldn't really see certain things, but unless you like really work with him closely, you'd be like, oh, this kid really has autism, right? But again, but what are some of the, what are some of the signs? Like, how can you tell? See, that's the thing. There's that quote that says, "When you meet one person with autism, you've met one person with autism," because there isn't there isn't like a yeah. This is what this looks like, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And that's why people have to be cool to be adaptable and 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 to be able to change your way of doing things yes that may have worked for this child but that doesn't mean it's going to work for this child as well exactly 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 right you got to be flexible in that but some of the signs or some of the things or characteristics may be like um repetitive types of behaviors yep right mm -hmm. um sometimes there's like stuff with sensory so okay. you know maybe noises are too loud or sirens are we're hearing them as a typical siren going passing by but that's really loud for somebody else um other things can just be you know there needs to be like certain structure and routine and if something changes from that it's very hard to adjust adapt and be flexible right so you know i i remember working with a client who was really good at um, an individual actually who was very good at traveling to the office to meet me on the ttc but the one day TTC subway stopped and they need to take a bus. Mm. Complete breakdown. Because yeah. nobody had ever taught him what do you do <laughs> when there's no subway station between so-and-so and so-and-so and, -so and, -so, yeah. and there's 10 billion people 
rushing you all over the place to get up the stairs, to get on a bus, to take you three. You, and, you know, we've been there. If, well, if you live in Toronto, you've been through one of those situations. Yep, constantly. Right? And we can look up at the screen and read the little screens in the subway that says, no subway station between so-and-so, but a lot of the folks I work with, they can't read. Or their reading ability is at a six to nine-year-old. or You know what I mean? So how do you navigate? So those are some of the things, difficulty. So then when we see somebody screaming or having an outburst and we think they're being violent, it's like, no, they're actually like so overstimulated right now. Yeah. And they can't adjust because there's a change in routine, right? Yeah. yeah. That's then, really difficult. And, and this is the thing where it's like, you know, it, it, it's going to be incumbent on every parent, when especially when you have a young child, to at least monitor and kind of see where they're at. Like, there's usually certain marks um, as a child developmentally that mm -hmm. they should hit around certain ages. So if it's not there, it's going to be important to, even if you feel anxious about it, it's going to be important to make sure you speak to your doctor yeah, so that they can do like a full-out assessment. Because mm -hmm. early detection really helps in terms of at least getting the proper support that they need moving forward, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, that that's been one of the things I I find I find that is like key in mm -hmm. in in terms of uh, lessening the stress of having somebody who may have like autism or may have Down syndrome or may have any other condition, mm -hmm. because again. For Black people, access to even those services, especially with a a service that has long waiting lists, mm -hmm. like you have to pretty much fight tooth and nail to ensure that the child gets the services that they need. And again, um, yeah, I'm, like I'm saying this also from an educational perspective because again, like I work with these kids, but just in an educational setting, mm -hmm. and it's going to be important that it's like along the steps along the way that you know what, you have that um, type of relationship with the caregivers, including teachers, including uh, principals, including educational assistants and all that type of stuff. Because yeah. if it's if it's not there, then it's gonna be hard on the kids, period. I hear you. But it's also a place for those other supports to step up mm -hmm. and, and also recognize, right? Like the ways in which they can reinforce that distrust why parents may not have those types of relationships or be able to establish that. So I think it, again, it comes back to collective response because I see such incredible caregivers and parents, honestly, like if it's one thing that drives me in the passion of the work that I do and people look at me and say, I don't even understand how you do what you do. Sometimes when I talk to them about situations I'm dealing with, but I'm like, when the work day is done, mm -hmm. I go to my yard, eh? Yeah. I go to my yard if I want to play a little soca tune. I put on me music. Mm -hmm. I do it. These parents are living this day Daily. and day yeah. out. And you really have to be think about the body. The body can only sustain so much, right? Wow. So you know, yeah, parents need to do their part in reaching out and stuff like that. But but honestly, folks who work in institutions, education, the Mm -hmm. the doctors, the hospital, like you, we need to do better. We, we need do. to do better to meet the needs of the families because, you know, like, yeah, getting to your doctor early is great, but if you can't get a doctor mm -hmm. or your doctor doesn't spend time with you mm -hmm. or your doctor doesn't, so right. 
your doctor doesn't explain things to you in the way that they want, or they look at you and they're like, yeah, 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 just take this prescription and go, right? Like, so, so, so a part of it is, yeah, we want to, we want parents to, to be strong advocates for their child, but as people who function in those systems, which I'm talking about myself, I function in those social work systems, right. we need to do better. We need to do better. Yeah, no, I, I, I could not agree with you more because I mean, we're the ones that are going to be there as, as sort of like the, um, um, we're going to be there as that bridge. We're pretty much that bridge. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. we're, we're there to ensure that when you drop off your, your child to us, whether it be from an educational or some other institution, we got to be there to ensure that the child feels safe and yep. that the parents feel confident that, um, that they're, for lack of a better term, they're they're in good hands, so to speak, mm -hmm. right? Because you're right. Like for 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 anybody that feels, um, or ha for any parent that's having to experience all this, mm. they're already dealing with not only the stigma outside of their own community, yep, but they're dealing with the stigma within their community. They're yep. also dealing with the lack of care from mm -hmm. healthcare resources at times mm -hmm. educational resources, you know what I mean? Um, if you're not careful, sometimes religious resources and things, that needs to also improve as well. Yeah. But those those are the things that parents, like people need to understand this is where parents are coming from. And, yeah. and if the child is gonna be at least having some sort of decent life or whatever, we need to ensure the parents that are also taken care of. I agree. I mean, think about for yourselves, right? Like. Did you feel safe always going to school? You know, Not always. Did you feel like that was a place you, you know, you showed up, you're happy to go, you felt supported, you felt teachers listened to you, you felt they were pouring into you. Like, can the average Black folk say that? Yeah. For yep. all of their schooling experience? Yep. Yep. So then add the layer out of a disability on top of that, <laughs> right? Like, who is a shithole for Black people in North America? it's 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 rare that I find you know it's not to say that all of my experiences were bad I had some really amazing teachers in certain points of my education journey but I also had very terrible ones you know what I mean mm -hmm. and talk to my mom talk to my grandmother I re remember my grandmother telling me a story when she came here she was already an educator back home came here she decided to go into nursing and she vividly remembers the teacher telling her she would never pass Right. What? Mm. She would never pass and become a nurse. Mm. Nurse for how many years? All good, good. We had to force her to retire because she still wants to keep working well past retirement. Of course. Of course. That's okay. a whole nother topic. But anyways, no, right? Some professors used to get so rude with me, fam. <laughs> One told me he didn't think he could that I could write because of the way I looked and showed up to class. That's funny. He was oh my writer. God. By the way, folks listening, yes, I can put sentences and paragraphs and essays together. Thank you very much. You've done all right so far. So far, right? So yeah, far. you know, another one. Mm. This is when I was doing my undergrad. Told me he was surprised that I got such a high grade. Yep. Yep. There you go. Because he didn't think the quality of my work was going to be that good. Right. It was that humble. 
in the PR program. Professor Heath motherfucking Applebaum. Yeah, I said your name on this podcast. Pull up. I remember that shit. But the fact that we're grown, grown at the age we are, and you can recall word for word what teacher it was, what program you were. Yeah. What they don't understand about anti-Black racism. Mm. These stories live in our bones. They live in our veins. Like, this is not stuff that somebody just says, we kick it off our shoulder, we know it's not true, and we carry on. The fact, Mandela, that you literally recited two examples. Yeah. Vividly like that. Yeah. And you haven't been in school for, none of us have been in school for a year. Well, it seems like Jermaine, you're still in school, but we haven't been in school for a little while. Like, it just shows, right? Like, these, a lot of these places mm-hmm. where we encourage parents to get the help and the support, they're not safe places. No. Oh, no. They're not. They're places that inflict more violence and more harm. So then what really do our families have? You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I get it. And it's interesting that you should say this, since we're talking about anti-Black racism. Mm-hmm. Mandela, we're going to switch to, we're, we're going to segue a little bit, if you don't mm-hmm. mind. And we're, we, we, you know, thankfully, Marty, you are, you must be familiar. We have our segment, which we like to call the Caucasity Chronicles. Formerly known as This Week in White People Fuckery. Formerly known as The Week Chronicles. Formerly known as the Unseasoned Chronicles. Yes. AKA the White Walker edition. <laughs> so, Mr. Mr. Johnson, what we gotta talk about today? <sighs> you know what? Folks, so our American listeners might be a little bit confused, but bear with us. Mm. Just got a provincial election. <laughs> Let me drink some water, yes. Um, we had a provincial election, which so you guys would call it, you know, like a governor's election, who's the head of your state. We have heads of provinces, and the conservatives won. Which is equal to the Republican Republican Party, but go ahead. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're, well, the conservatives up here are blue. The conservatives in the states, the Republicans are red. <laughs> so the colors are reversed, basically. That means, yeah. And they won. That that That's it for me. They won. <laughs> you know what, too? There was a Black conservative woman that won. I believe it was in Brampton. Um, y'all, if you haven't listened to Brampton niggas, that episode that we did earlier this season, um, this candidate is the equivalent of a Brampton nigga, but we're not tearing down anybody. Um, but being a black conservative and proud of it, like, come on. <sighs> I mm, well, okay. Let's 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 also kind of put a couple of things, which I think I I when I when I was driving home. And I saw the report, it made a lot of sense. I wasn't shocked. I'm, I wasn't shocked either. But no. if you looked at the voter turnout, right? Apparently it's like the lowest in history, in Canadian history. Doug Ford lost the popular vote. I know. We okay. all know that. Okay. He knows that. <laughs> He's incompetent. He's a bumbling idiot. Right. 
But let's look at let's let's just be honest. I he think makes George Bush look like you know fucking Chomsky, bro. To be honest with you, George Bush is like a idiot, idiot. He makes George Bush look like fucking Noam Chomsky, Ida B. Wells, Angela wow. Davis. <laughs> oh, wow. Doug Ford is a idiot. <laughs> well, here, here's here's how I look at it, right? Mm-hmm. And which I think this this begs the a larger question as to like our ideology as a black as a black people, um, because clearly, as you can see. Um, it whether it be liberal, you have black people that are liberal, you have black people that are NDP, but you certainly have a good amount of black people that are gun hole, you know, conservative. And I don't even say it's even gun hole conservatives more like than kind of why culturally, right? If you look at it culturally being from the islands, mm-hmm. you can kind of see it, right? In a sense. Yes. Okay. But I'm gonna tell you why though. If we have to be honest, tell me, tell me why. In the context of Ontario, I think the biggest thing, right, for Black people is the whole issue around COVID. That was the biggest thing, even though it affected more Black people, like it affected Black people probably the most. But As they, everything does. Right. But yeah. they got, but I can tell you that a lot of Black people. Now, mind you, the other two parties are, they, honestly, they're not, they're not great. To be but quiet. let's just be clear. Generally speaking, Black people in Canada are socialized to be like white people, to assimilate. Mm. So there's that too. Mm-hmm. For survival. Pardon me? For survival, not because we want to. Right. Gen- for survival, but then things happen up here and they just... Yeah, anyways, continue, Jermaine. <laughs> Listen, I mean, if if anything of that I saw, there was there was something that just became very apparent, and I'll tell you where the turning point was. That trucker con- uh, that trucker convoy protest. Oh Jesus! I I swear, like this season, we must have mentioned the truckers at least like eight times. <laughs> yeah, and the amount and the amount of black people that really supported the trucker convoy, I was like, whoa! Again, the whole thing was about quote unquote freedom. We want our freedom back. And the audacity for it to equal at times the narrative to we're being enslaved as if like people who are non-Black understand like what slavery is or they've experienced it. The thing that got me was the organizers of this so-called freedom convoy. Mm -hmm. They were out and proud white supremacists. Right. But again, people were just, yeah. But we're not, not not even we. There's a lot of Black people that are just very naive. That's the thing. But it's fair. But there's a reason for that, right? Because they don't allow certain things to be taught. Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily always Mm -hmm. blame them. Mm-hmm. But sometimes, some of you motherfuckers, even when you're slapped in the face with the fucking truth. Sorry. Mm-hmm. You know what? I digress. I'm in therapy now. I should be calm. 
<laughs> we thank God for therapy. We want to just say we thank God and endorse therapy. We just thank you, Elise. Yeah, you've yes. done wonders with me and my temper. I will uh, endorse that statement. <laughs> Let me just say that right now. <laughs> but that being said, um, I, I understand what you're saying. Because a lot of the times, you know, it's like for, for the longest time, like there's certain informations or certain things that have always been hidden from us. Right. But, but I also think like it, there's that lack of critical thinking. I'm not saying us as in general, but again, you know, if, if you know what it is, black people voted for Trudeau. A lot of them voted for Trudeau because of Trudeau's dad. Yeah. They didn't really look at the fact that whether Trudeau was an actual capable candidate or not. He's yeah. a classy. Right. And you've already seen the amount of stupidness that he has done. Like everything from, yeah, you're going to take a knee, but then you're going to give us a $700, $700 million loan? Well, don't, don't forget that um, Selena, who was in um, the prime minister's cabinet, gave us the lowdown on what he really was like. Right, because he acted like he was like pro whatever. No, he wasn't. He he was wow. just he was fake. He was he was fake. He still but this, but this is the same thing with Doug Ford. Doug Ford really got voted because of Rob Ford. And everybody love off a Rob Ford. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why. Why? Because he 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 spoke some patois in a in a <laughs> oh, man, big things. That you don't remember? That was big things. Yo, oh, listen, first of all, that was a patois. He was rambling. Let's just be real. It wasn't bad to her, but he know. was he was he was rambling. That's what he was. It was cultural <laughs> appropriation, if we want to really call it what it is. Jesus. Yeah, and like a lot of us endorse that shit. Like, why? Why? Like, you know who too? Sorry. Check motherfucking Hanks. COVID had one job. Okay. <laughs> Monkey Fox had one job. Why is Chet Hanks still around? <laughs> his dad caught the COVID. <laughs> Tom Hanks is fine, but Chet Hanks can't get touched. Yet he's sorry, sorry, Marty, you triggered the cultural appropriation, and that's where my mind went. Listen, don't offend the main black women that love off uh, Chet Hanks. So just, just careful on that one still. You know what? I have thoughts and words, but we're not tearing down black women on this podcast. No, so. we will not tear down oh, black women. Thank you. <laughs> I'm in therapy now, so I won't do it. God bless you. God bless you, man. <laughs> but I think all that to say, you know, with the provincial election now wrapped up, mm. the institutionally where a lot of voters for various reasons said, you know what, screw it. I don't care what the results are. All I'm saying is, like, for all of us, people need to accept that whatever is going to happen, it's because we accepted it for it to happen. We had an opportunity. And it's not to say that voting changes stuff or whatever. I I totally get where everybody's coming from. Sometimes voting is a sham. Yeah. But that being said, if if you're going to deal, if you accept, if you did not vote or whether you did vote, you're you're going to have to accept Who's there? And, Fair. And, and from there, we're going to just have to figure it out. But you know what? In all fairness, mm-hmm. behind the scenes, all the, to, in my opinion, 
-hmm. All the political parties are the same. I 100% agree. Behind the scenes, you saw what they did to um, the federal leader of the Green Party, Anime Paul. Yo. (laughs) Yo. And they're supposed to be like left of the New Democratic Party, which is the NDP for all the people that do not know. I have not seen, but mind you, I shouldn't be shocked, but I have never seen so much blatant white supremacy from the left like the way I saw it with this one. Like, you know what? We need to invite Anime Paul on this podcast. I would have to 100% agree. I mean, like, we had Selena, and she shot, she shot, like, she fired um, shots. Marty, did you listen to Selena's episode? I haven't had the chance to. You need oh, to We were not, well, I know I wasn't. You were ready. We were ready. We were not ready. We were ready. Uh, no, we... She fired shots. Mm-mm. She she bust gun. Like Selena's a gun man. She is though. <laughs> she bad yet. Like, listen, Selena, if you're listening, I don't mean that you actually tote guns. I might have my suspicions, but whatever. <laughs> um, we love you. We appreciate you. We would love to have you back on the show. She said she wants to be back for a second round. So I'm just like, yo, whenever we can do this, let's do this. I am preparing myself. Marty, do you have any edition of the Caucasity Chronicles you would like to share before we close out this segment? I know you got some stories, especially from school. So tell me a school. Tell us. We're switching to school. We're switching to school. We're staying on the editorial debate. I'm just like, don't nobody dare come in my face and try to tell me white supremacy doesn't exist in Canada after what we just witnessed yep. with this election. Like, yep. I am waiting for the day that honestly, when I look at the people who are running, I can friggin' see a reflection of myself because that, that day ain't come. You know what? It is here, but all the people that look like us they all trying to run for the People's Party of Canada. <laughs> Sorry. Although, <laughs> although to be real, um, who is it? There was an MPP, NDP, uh, Jill something. Jill. Jill Andrew. Yes, I remember. Jill Andrews. Shout out to her, though. She's September's friend. Yes. Yes. And for all that don't know, the People's Party of Canada is like an extreme white supremacist political party in Canada that are getting a lot of votes from people. Especially think, black folks. Think of the Tea Party, American people. Think of the Tea Party. But worse. Worse. Yes. Yes. Anywho. Sorry, Marty. Go ahead. No. <laughs> I'm all good, man. Nothing to add. I just, I just, the, the caucasity is, is thriving. It's live in a while. Like I said, the little hush-hush from George Floyd, bless his heart. Yeah. It's, it's passed. That, that George Floyd wave, as I called it, has passed. Long time. Long time. Nothing's changed. Nothing's changed. They're just they're just, they're just a little bit more. Mm, I would anytime there's any sort of reparations for us, you know the other side is brewing, right? Yeah. And that's 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 what it is. That's just really what it is. And it's it's getting worse. It's it's there's you know, there's not a day we don't open up our social media, look at the news, something's happening, you know? Mm-hmm. 
a black woman just got shot. A pregnant black woman just got shot five times. I heard about that. And I just read about a, a young black girl was stabbed in the eye um, at school. Like, and a lot of these things are, again, we were talking about school not too long ago. Mm-hmm. And right. And Justin, where was it? Somewhere in Ontario, wasn't it? Where the school was on lockdown too, because of the same <laughs> situation. So that was actually in, in, in my old neighborhood. So, yep, that was that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Uncle Germs. Yep. You know what? This was good. Can I tell you something? Go ahead. Being black is lit as fuck. But it is kind of dangerous. Kinda. Kinda. (laughs) Like like an extreme sport. It is. It, we're 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 at times in the Hunger Games. This is this is basically what it is. And it's so funny because at my work, I'm a completely different person. Y'all would not recognize me. You code switching, huh? It's. I think it's beyond code switching. I think I morph into a completely different human being. Oh, okay. So almost like there's Clark Kent and Superman. So here is Superman. Out there is Clark Kent. Except I have better disguises, which is true. Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. This was good. Like, Marty's dope. Like, what the fuck? Like, where's she been all our lives? Marty? I'm assuming, can can we assume that, like, when we call you up, that you'll be here again? Of course. Don't even have to stress about that. Marty? Mandela? I'm saying this in front of all the listeners in Canada and around the world because we're around the world. Pick up yourself. Um, can we go on a patio this summer? Wow. Don't stress me, eh? Don't stress me with questions like that when well, we have real things to talk about. I think, I think, um, of Tom, course, my wife misses you. Wait, um, can I come? Can I come, please? Of course. Your main. What? Oh, oh, don't make it. Jermaine's not invited. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Well, Jermaine is invited. However, he needs patience. <laughs> I before can't he receives you, honestly. I just can't. My wife misses you. I'm. I literally haven't seen you since my wedding day. I know. I know. I know. He came into. It felt like a UFC fight, Jermaine. You know, like in the movies where the fighters all alone in the dressing room, and there's a knock at the door. Someone's like, it's time to go. That's what happened. Marty was that person that knocked on my door. Showtime. <laughs> why, why, why do I feel like the Rocky, you know, Rocky one, two, and three, like that that theme song? No, it was like it was like eerily weird. No one tells you about that when you get married. It's right. always that silence when the wedding party goes down to like do their thing. Mm-hmm. And then you're alone. It was me, my brother, and the photographer. Right. It was it was the weirdest. It was cool, right? A wife now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, she's calmed me down. But Marty, where can the people then find you? Because everyone needs to see your content and like Mm -hmm. see you and shit. Mm -hmm. You can find me on IG. That's the main place that I pour out from my heart. Things that just I'm like, mm, no, that can't go on. That needs we need to 
we need to shake that up. We need yes. to shake up that idea. Mm. So oh. Instagram, Marty Lambkin Speaks. Mm -hmm. Find me there pretty much. That is my educational page where I am just trying to decolonize every breath that I have. Because mm -hmm. <laughs> we have to get back to who we were for the white man came and tried to convince us of who we were, right? Mm -hmm. and that fucking diaspora wars, people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sorry, I'm looking at you. Oh my gosh, this guy. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, th that being said, should I start with you? I'm going to start with you. So, Mandela, since you asked her the question, manners. Okay, sir. No, no. No, start with me. Thank you. <laughs> no, but like you, you already asked the question. That was Hold the thing. On. Marty, we just wanted to say we love you. I was going to do it at we the end. We appreciate you. We uh, so much. The work you do is so important. You are seen, appreciated, heard. We stand up for you. If anyone fucks with you, send them my way. We got you. Holla. I'm lifting weights now. Here, here. Anyways, now Jermaine, go ahead. I, I endorse what Mandela said. I appreciate you. Honestly, we, it's, uh, it's, man. We're going to have you again, that's for sure. Yeah. But that being said, mm. as we wrap up, Mandela, yeah. how do they reach you if you choose for them to reach you? I don't want these people reaching me, to be honest. I'm tired, mm -hmm. motherfuckers. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but if you must, like, fuck. Mandela, M-A-N-D-E-L-A underscore kj mm -hmm. on the instagram and the twitters if you are white my instagram page is private i am going to send you a link for an e-transfer and then and only then will i accept you as a follow in other words you're paying the price for admission folks so mandela.johnson at gmail.com that's my email address if you're white the tax is 500 us Yes, <laughs> yo. I mean, I can't blame you. Inflation's like through the roof. So not Jamaican dollars, U.S. American dollars. Okay, so if you're white, Mandela.Johnson at gmail.com. If you're an ally, run the fucking money. Thank you. I mean, that's 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 the least you can do. If you're gonna be an ally, pay up. Okay. If you want to follow me now, if you want to follow us. Mm -hmm. At black people check in B L A C K P P L check in. Mm -hmm. That's six hundred dollars US. I mean, listen, you're funding the movement, so like, think of it as a gift in kind, right? Um, yeah. Reparations. Reparations. So that's where you can find us on Instagram and Twitter. We're not nice. We are not the good black. So shut the fuck up and take what we say. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm. Uncle Germs, aka Pasta Germs. Where can the women find you on the socials? First of all, let's not go there, okay? <laughs> Listen, when we logged on to this call, what did what was the first thing I heard? A gal sending Jermaine a voice note, giggling and laughing and kiki kiki kiki. That's my that's my friend. Can, 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 I, can I have a friend? 
There's always a friend. There's always a friend. Mm-hmm. Listen, I, I have I have plenty of friends. That's why, like, uh-huh. mm-hmm. I, that's what they don't say. Plenty. You know what? You and him. <laughs> like you and him. Okay. You Thank and you. him. So where can they find you, Jermaine? People can find me <laughs> on Twitter and on Instagram. Germs, J-E-R-M-S, 394, both on the Twitters and on the IG, okay? Um, I'm actually, actually even, check out even my last, um, my last car talk. Had to kind of put some things in perspective, so... Check me out. I got one more car talk that I want to speak on before uh, I start moving on with some other stuff. You know what? I have a proposition for Marty. Not that kind. Oh, folks. Lot. Wow. The look on her face now. Jesus. She knows I'm not about that life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> me love my wife too, too much. I get into people business. So, eh? So, yes. I'm all here, Team Tanya. When thank you, as you should, I'm Team Tanya too. I'll exactly. Tanya is not Team Jermaine, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> There's reconciliation to be had, but anyways, as you were saying, I think that whenever we do our first live recording in front of a crowd, Miss. Oh Martin, no, no, she's yo. First, first in line, first in line. Me? Yes. Yes. Oh yeah, one percent. Oh yeah. About about me? No, no, you're in. No, the, the 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 plant behind you, Mark. I'm a proud plant mother, eh? There's enough. There's enough of you people. Jesus, us <laughs> people. You try plant. Yo, I mean, I'm, I'm just saying, yo, a lot of y'all are plant people. Do you have a, Do you have any pets that are not plants, like animals, like furry things? No, I've been contemplating getting a cat, but you know, West Indian parents, when you tell them. You want to get a cat? Mom yeah. said she's not gonna come over. I'm like, Shola's cool though. Yo, Jermaine, you ever met Shola, fam? No, but you know, in in some way, if I do get to meet her, I think it'll be a great time. Oh, it's gonna be a ball of a time. What do you mean? She's coming with us for for uh, to the patio when Marty comes. She's yeah. Right. She has to be there. Oh, oh it's absolutely amazing. Listen, for y'all that don't know, Marty's mom who's going to soon to be my adoptive mother mm-hmm. is the shit. <laughs> good. good, good, good. I've been saying this for five years and no one believes me. Anyways, Jermaine, do you have anything else to add? I think that's about it. Honestly, this was a great discussion. Um, what are we naming this episode? Because I'm drawing a blank. To be honest with you, this is actually, we'll just talk about disabilities or the complexity of disabilities this that's what special abilities because i don't like disabilities we can different abilities different different abilities (laughs) look at us workshopping podcast get that bad but that being said um we appreciate everybody for once again listening to the podcast um honestly we have nothing more to say other than that. Just catch us up, uh, catch up with us on the next episode. To everybody that uh, wants to continue to support us, we we love you all. If you don't like us, well, too bad. That's all I want to say. Anyways, good night, everybody. If you don't like us, <laughs> go on Naomoma. I'm done. <laughs> Google that shit. Good night. Thank you for listening. 
Thank you for having me. Marty, you staying on after this. Yes, I am. Good, good evening, good night, good afternoon. That's what I miss in the beginning. So, yes. Yeah, I'll, I'll, you know what? I'm going to leave that one. See you guys later. The goals to see money, no matter the cause, period. I'm kid for having these else in my ops, period. Else, we handing them out, handing them out, yeah.